I have possibly the worst banquet of all time. I've got animals, 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 and therefore there's no point in you trying because oh, I'm going to win they... by default. I hope they're rubbish animals like horses. <laughs> Welcome to Date Fight. Welcome. It's the podcast where we pit great moments in history against each other. Yes, he's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley. And together we have chosen the most important, entertaining things to have happened on this date. And we are going to hurl them at each other from the trebuchets of our minds. That was a good one. <laughs> Let's crack on. Let's. Round one. Okay, what have you got first for round one? Round one, I have the Nikoping Banquet. Oh, that turns amazing. Yes, do you know about the new Kerping banquet? <laughs> no, but it sounds like there's a brand of vegan milk, right? <laughs> and because legally you you can't write milk, milk. necessarily, yeah. so they've called it milk. <laughs> M-Y-L-K. It's really good. Milk. Do you like ships, milk? <laughs> or do you prefer cone milk? <laughs> it makes you feel like you're talking in some weird... You can make chews out of milk. You make a choice. <laughs> do you like chairs, Nate? I, I love chairs, yes. I like a chairs cake. <laughs> What do you stick? Is it margarine? You stick together the uh, biscuit base of a cheesecake with. You have the butter biscuit. I use fluorine. <laughs> Sometimes vitamin. <large. laughs> is there any point at which you actually can't believe that I can't believe it's not butter? Isn't butter? No, no, no. I can never stop believing that it, it is not butter, butter <laughs> right, or something. So the Nakurping banquet. <laughs> King Birger of Sweden, hmm. um, who became king when he was 10. Um, he was, uh, his father was King Magnus III of Sweden. Okay. And King Magnus III of Sweden made the silly mistake of having three sons. There was Birger, who took over when he was 10, but he yes. had two brothers, Eric and Valdemar. Oh. And Eric and Valdemar didn't like the fact that Birger had become the king. But Birger had the support of the uh, important Swedish people like Torkel Knudsen. Torkel Knudsen was a big provider and protector for uh, King Birger. However, <laughs> I love that you're inhabiting these characters. It does bring it to life <laughs> for you. No, no, no. It's great. Now I see him. He's a sort of slightly thin, reedy guy. Yes, Torkel Knudsen. Someone... But he was very rich, very rich, Torkel Knudsen. Oh, so okay. he, um, uh, so uh, Eric and Valdemar couldn't do anything about it. Ah. Uh, so what they did was they invited themselves round to King Birger's house. Yes. Castle one evening. Um, they said, hello, we've turned up late and no one is here. Let's get drunk. Ha ha, we are drunk together. Isn't this fun? Ha 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 ha. Now you must go to the dungeons, please, and stay there for two years. Oh, wow. And they took King Birger, their younger brother, uh, hostage, and they put him in the dungeons. And they kept him there for two years. Wow. Eventually he got out um, and there was a big civil war in which uh, Knu- no, Torkel Knudsen supported King Birger and Eric and Valdemar both fought against him to try and take parts of Sweden. And in 1310, they all decided to split Sweden into three parts. So oh. then there were three. And didn't they... Freedom. The three... <laughs> and then they didn't speak to each other for seven years. And seven years later, seven years later, King Birger said, you know what? This is silly. It's Christmas. 
I'm doing Christmas dinner. I don't care what anyone says. You're all coming over for Christmas dinner. Come for Christmas dinner. Seriously. And to prove how much I'm serious about, you know, let's put it... Bygones be bygones. Yeah. I'll have Torkel Knutsen put to death just to prove there are no hard feelings. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. So we had Torkel Wow, he Knutsen. backed a winner, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Torkel Knutsen was put to death and he had the two brothers over Christmas dinner. We stuffed the turkey. Yes, and they had a big Christmas dinner and everyone got drunk and went to bed, at which point he went to their bedrooms with crossbowmen, took them to the dungeons, locked them in, threw the key into the river and shouted, Do you remember? Do you remember keeping me in a dungeon? And then let them starved to death wow yeah merry christmas from king birgen of sweden king imagine Bergen him sweden. at the at the dinner table saying are you sure you yeah. don't want mass do you see you're not drinking your milk yeah trust me you don't know when you'll eat again <laughs> wow no, eat up yeah <laughs> you have to last you a lifetime uh, the when they <laughs> like, I've eaten enough to last a lifetime. <laughs> Have you? Have you? <laughs> Let's find out. I couldn't it. eat another thing, couldn't you now? Hmm. <laughs> what about your own feet? <laughs> Who is laughing now? What a tortured tale. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was fun enough to bring out for that's really like, good. Tenth of December. I feel like mer- we're like a little advent calendar of fun stories at the moment. Yeah, we are. It's great. That's Let me open myself up. <laughs> For December the 10th and the first of my two animal stories. Yes. And this one's amazing. This was uh, December the 10th, 1907. Mm. And it was the worst night of the Brown Dog Riots. (laughs) Now that's... Hang on. All right. I know you. It's not... No. It's actually amazing. So uh, a thousand medical students clashed with 400 police officers over the existence of a memorial. Yeah. uh, A statue that had been made for uh, vivisected animals. And so um, the allegation was that in February of 1903, William Bayliss at University College of London performed an illegal vivisection in front of 60 medical students with a a brown terrier dog, which had been, they said, uh, not anaesthetised enough. And it was all pretty horrific. Um, And... It, I mean, it's probably easy to tell if it's anaesthetised enough, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can generally it, tell. Yeah, oh, yeah, look, yeah. that's making it's a noise. Barking, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not dabbing with this compass. It's <laughs> So Bayliss was furious and he sued for libel and he won. But uh, anti-vivisectionists put up this bronze statue of mm. the dog. and it During was put the procedure up, or...? No, no, this was this was three years later after oh, the, right. the, the court case Did they have a good likeness for the dog? I mean, it's a dog, isn't it? Yeah. It's a brown dog. I mean, the whole thing's called the brown dog riots, to be fair. Um, So it was put up in Latchmere Recreation Ground in Battersea in 1906. And there was a plaque put up saying, Men and women of England, how long shall these things be? Uh, And (laughs) medical students... Dogs are about this long. Yeah. (laughs) About three foot. So... It kept getting vandalised, right. this memorial. By pro-vivisection? Well, people? by medical students who were like, how dare you, and <laughs> Bayless is wonderful, and how dare you, and stuff. Uh, and in the end, there had to be uh, a 24-hour police guard against what were called yeah. anti-doggers. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the 10th of December 1907, hundreds of medical students marched through central London, waving effigies of the brown dog on sticks. Is this 
Hang on, but they hate the brown dog. Yeah, they don't and like sadly, the, brown the effigies were made out of brown dogs, which <laughs> was very counterproductive. And they clashed with suffragettes, trade unionists, and 300 police officers. Uh, one of a series Wait, hang of on, battles. What were the suffragettes known? doing there? I, I votes for dogs. I don't know. It was called the <laughs> Why brown were the dog. Trade unionists riots. turning up. I don't know. Anyway. Fed up with the whole thing, in March of 1910, Bastille Council sent four workers with 120 police officers to guard them right. uh, to remove the statue under the cover of darkness, after which it was reportedly melted down by the council's blacksmith. Yeah, council blacksmith, yeah. Despite a 20,000-strong petition in its favour. And then a new... So the council is pro-medical student and anti-dog. Yeah. The medical and, students anti-dog. are just anti-dog. Suffragettes are pro-dog and anti-science. I don't know. I might have got that. I don't know who was clashing with who there. It was just a pagger. <laughs> All right, let's just All leave right. it like that. And so it stayed for 75 years until a new statue of the brown dog. <laughs> we don't even, it wasn't even given a name. It's That's a how disposable dog. brown dogs are and how much we should be able to vivisect Listen them. Listen to you. Listen, day. do you want a brown dog right, right here, right now, mate? <laughs> Anti-vivisection groups commissioned a new one and it's, you can go and see it. It was put up in Battersea Park in 1985. Oh, the brown dog. Go and look at it. Mm. Which, if you were listening to yesterday's episode, fits perfectly with Flintstones. Brown dog. <laughs> brown dog, brown hey, dog. Brown dog. <laughs> so, that's what I got. All right. <laughs> Impressed? Yes. I can't rem- yeah, I can't like- even remember yours. The Nokoping Bangs uh, with no- the shoes. Oh, you can let me do my mild <laughs> joke, so I'm, I enjoyed that. I'm going to let you have that. Yes. Oh, come on. 3-0. Three, 3-0. Three three zero. Three nil. I hate you. Let's go to the birthdays. to Yasmin Alibi-Brown, the Ugandan English writer for The Independent and various other newspapers. Of course, The Independent doesn't exist anymore, so I assume she's now writing for different places. Her full name, of course, is Yasmin Alibi-Brown Dog. <laughs> That's... No? I don't know if we can... <laughs> can we not? Maybe. It's up to you. See are how you feel in the edit. Are you an anti-dogger or a pro-dogger? <laughs> I'm definitely uh, anti I'm, I'm definitely a pro. Yeah, I'm anti. No, I'm quite the pro. Happy birthday to Joseph Skoda, who was the founder of... Honda. The modern medical school in Vienna. It was his oh, nephew, Emile Skoda, who founded the car company. Hang on a minute. Skoda had a medical... There's got to be some jokes about Skoda medical practices and surgery, but I can't really be bothered to <sighs> do it. Yeah, you can see, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah you, can, you can do it. It, it writes itself. Why not have not fun well enough to actually <laughs> present <worth>. itself to <laughs> us? Yeah. Here's an amusing skit. <laughs> what would it be like <laughs> if the <laughs> hospital worked as badly as a Skoda? Uh, here's Andy Parsons to tell us. Um, <laughs> oh, you little wasp. Happy birthday to... Anne Nixon, queen of the daytime soaps. She wrote lots and lots of American daytime soap operas, including the first lesbian kiss on American television, including the first reference to the Vietnam War, and the first on-screen abortion. Wow. Anne Nixon. That was quite the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Neighbours wasn't the same. (laughs) Happy death day to Richard Pryor, who set himself on fire. And that rhymes more than I'd realised when I wrote it down. (laughs) That's how, you, that's how you tell. Is he on fire? Yep, yeah, Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> You're on fire tonight. Yeah. And goodbye. <laughs> 
happy death day to Leopold I of Belgium, who is only notable for not being the really terrible Leopold of Belgium, which was his son, Leopold II, who destroyed the Congo and cut off millions of hands. But that wasn't him. It's his dad. <laughs> well, he's not going to win any parenting awards then, is he? No. Yes, he isolated <laughs> his... imagine Leopold I... Why? The mother saying, Liv, don't encourage him to chop hands off. <laughs> nah, come on, it's only having fun. Yeah, yeah. Look, go on, do it do it again. No, 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 you are undermining me. Don't cut hands off. Nah, go on, you go, go on. on. Go on, don't tell her. Maybe go, tell her. Go, go, go and play in the conga. <laughs> <laughs> Happy death day to Thomas Culpepper, who was having an affair with Catherine Howard while she was Henry VIII's wife and got his head chopped off as a result. But he was quite lucky. He was meant to be hanged, drawn and quartered. And he said, please don't do that. They went, yeah. OK, we'll just chop your head off. You've got a chopping list. <laughs> Catherine Howard was also having an affair with someone else who had his head chopped off. Oh, they caught um, Thomas Culpepper. Obviously, he said, I'm not having an affair with Catherine what? Howard. That would be ridiculous. But he'd kept the love letters up in his room. Oh. It was foolish. She was 17 or 18 at the time. She was big into writing love letters. And he was big into keeping them. And they were both big into having their heads chopped off. Good times. Worth it. Yep. <laughs> okay. I've got my second animal story of the day. Oh, wow. And we're going... That means we're not going to cross over. Ooh. Oh, okay. All the Jake Yappy stories I thought you were going to do, you didn't do. No, I didn't. I'm going to take you to the 10th of December, 1932. Ooh. And I'm going to take you to the other side of the world. I'm going to take you to Australia. <laughs> promises, promises. You always say this. <laughs> you said we go to Disneyland and we didn't. <laughs> Come on. It was a drive through McDonald's. It was close. <laughs> The Great Emu War. Oh, wow. And I am not talking about a Parkinson episode. No. Does Lord Hull make any appearance at all? No. This story will be worse for him not being in it. The Australian army Mm -hmm. literally went to war against (laughs) 20,000 emus (laughs) and lost. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That's lovely. So in the early 30s, uh, Mm -hmm. lots of... Uh, former soldiers, Australian and British, were given yeah. land in Western Australia to get them into farming and stuff. And there was a lot of discontent in the emu community after the Great Depression. Well, a lot of yeah, fascist it's emus. very difficult time. Yeah, the, the, the far right <laughs> emus <laughs> were a nightmare. They, they were like trying 20- to join the Ostreich. <laughs> That's good, oh, man. Took a while. It was really good. Sorry, it was worth talking. it. It was worth it. Anyway, so there were 20,000 emus knocking yeah. around in this land which had now been accorded to these soldiers. And mm. they were like, well, we've got to get rid of them. Yeah. So they had the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery <laughs> with two machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. Yeah. And basically it didn't work. <laughs> they, they emptied their guns into all of these birds. Yeah. And the the emus were sort of bulletproof. <laughs> they couldn't do it, and they kind of split the army up into little units and stuff. And it just it just didn't tactically. They lost against emus, which is amazing. And after a month of trying to shoot these emus, they gave up. They lost like fifty emus. They got out of twenty thousand. That's amazing. Yeah. Do they not think of just farming emus? That might have been like, a better idea. This empty land is full of emus. What <laughs> yeah, can yeah. we possibly farm not... here? <laughs> emu food? <laughs> I keep growing this emu food and it's... <laughs> Something keeps coming in and taking it. Uh, I don't know what it is. 
<laughs> every night I plant more emu food. Every morning, nothing. <laughs> I tell you, I don't know what's going on. Send in the army. <laughs> <laughs> what you got then? I have the 10th of December 1799 when the French adopted the meter. Oh. The beginning of the metric system for length. They had taken seven years from 1792 to 1799 to try and work out how long a meter was, and they finally had their answer. They went from a belfry in Dunkirk to Montjuic Castle in Barcelona. And those were the two points they used to calculate over seven years how long the meter was. Do you know Wait, how long what, a meter why, is? What, what, yeah, go on then. Currently, it's not what it used to be. A meter currently is the distance light can travel in one 299,792,458th of a second. Right. Which sort of begs the question how long's a second? Oh, it's the I time imagine it, scientists it's the time have thought it takes of that. light to travel a meter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's 299 million yeah, times that. Yeah, yeah. But back then it was one ten millionth of the distance between the North Pole and the equator. Gosh. So because you could work out latitude fairly easily compared to longitude, they knew how far above or below the equator they were. So you could work out what a metre was by working out one ten millionth of the distance between that. Really? And zero And that's what yeah. it's based on? Yep. That's staggering. I thought it was going to be some arbitrary... When you said a belfry, I was like, was it the width of that belfry? <laughs> no, that you was, know one of those, those were just two points they knew the latitude of and they could say, right, this is exactly this point, that's exactly that point. So a metre is if we go, like, at this fraction of this distance. That is absolutely staggering. Mm. Uh, in 1830, the US decided to adopt metres uh, for their coastal survey, shortly before Andrew Jackson said we should look into what we're going to use. Now we're going back to the British parliamentary system, which is why they still have imperial measurements to this day. And yeah. you can't use the metric system in America. I do really admire the whole metric system of going, mm. well, let's let's be logical about this. Yes, like there the, is a kilogram now. Yeah. Like, you can go and have a look at it. You can't look at it because it's kept yeah, yeah, yeah. wraps. But there's a kilogram. Yeah. Which is the weight of a litre of water. Because it was based, you know, based on yeah. things you could have access to, like... Yeah. And the whole Water. Celsius idea and all of that. I, mm. what, a, what, a, what an exciting movement that was. Yes. Instead How of it being like, you know... That we're leaving the continent which uses it so we can reclaim. I want it in pound. I want two pound a pound. I don't want to buy bananas in metres. How many metres of bananas in a litre? I don't understand what they're talking about. Why can't I speak English? I think I'm going to let you have that point just because I'm frightened of you right now. <laughs> to make the veins go down on your forehead. I did like the emu war, though. The emu war was good. I'll take I it. feel like I'll take it at this point because I managed to squander a four-point lead last week. So I'm, 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 I'm going to say it. no. Do you know what? I'm going to take it. Okay. Because I feel like the meter thing. At some point, you might learn that somewhere else. Okay. Whereas the Great Emu War, come on, only on the tenth no of December. Ex- only on this podcast would you? Yeah. All right. That's part of what makes it special. So we got um, a banquet at which uh, a child. It wasn't a child anymore. Killed his two uncles in revenge for them having put him in a dungeon. And the Great Emu War. I mean, I love the arrogance of the two uncles kind of going, yeah, no, you'll have forgiven us for that. Yeah, you know, seven we, years later. Should we go round? Should we go round Yes, it's seven years, you won't even remember. No, all right, fair, but you don't think two years in the dungeon? Bigger, do you remember that thing? With- no, he doesn't remember. Okay. Oh, lovely. Groovy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. a, what would you do if I said dungeon? <laughs> hey? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we've had a lot of fun. I hope you have too. We'll be back with another date fight tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.